Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real talk with real people, sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe, on the edge of every day. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. We are live in the hive. Thank you for joining me on this, the second episode of The Edge of Every Day here on Talk Radio NYC. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc, or of course you can check out my website, sandrabargeman.com. But the best would be to tune into the replay of my debut episode from last week, where I shared where I'm from, the work that I do, and the inspiration for this podcast. In a nutshell, it's a show about pushing boundaries and exploring rough edges through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues. It's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we are resistant to change, those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and our understandings, both internally and collectively in the world around us. Listen, we live in edgy, challenging times, but life isn't black versus white. It's an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it's time for me to introduce our guest this evening. Bronx born and bred, Laurie Krauss thrills audiences with her multi-award winning blues influenced jazz vocals and her powerful emotional range. Blazing new musical territory, Lori combines improvisational elements with a passion and sensuality found in other forms of music to create a unique soulful jazz. She was named one of the top 525 jazz vocalists of all time by noted jazz critic Scott Yanow in his book, The Jazz Singer's The Ultimate Guide in 2008. Laurie released her first CD, Catch Me If You Can, on LML Records in 2001 to much critical acclaim, along with the Daryl Kojak trio, Catch Me If You Can features jazz, jazz legend George Coleman on tenor sax and received tremendous accolades throughout the jazz world. With a remarkably eclectic educational and professional background spanning the corporate, healthcare, image, and entertainment industries, Lori is uniquely qualified as a presentation and public speak speaking coach with an impressive list of clients. Lori was honored in 2009 with a backstage 
Magazine Bistro Award for her work on her show Tapestry Rewoven. In 2007, 8, and 9, Laurie was named Best Female Jazz Vocalist by the Manhattan Association of Cabarets and Clubs. Welcome, Laurie Krauss. Where is she? <laughs> Where is she? Then the curtains are. There she is, the gorgeous Lori. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to have you here tonight. I'm so thrilled for you that you're doing this. Oh, thanks. You know, it's so great, and I know it's what you want to be doing, and so I'm excited for you. And I'm really honored to be a guest early on in this whole thing. I want the word journey because I'm really sick of that word. So, (laughs) well, Uh, Hey, this is a a fun new fit for me, and I'm really honored that you said yes, and that you're a part of this this new thing for me to grow into. So thanks again. So I want to tell the story about how we met. Okay, now I'm first. Yeah, I know. Bye. Um, um, so we were at, and we'll make this quick because I want to get into all your juicy stuff, but, um, we, we met at Pangea and we were seeing a show, uh, with a gorgeous singer, Sarah Rice, who, uh, those of you listening may know that she was the original Joanna in Sweeney Todd, a spectacular voice. And she was doing this, jump in when you want, doing this incredible performance with an instrument that you don't touch a theremin and Uh, yeah because i i'm gonna have to um make excuses for myself (laughs) once you tell the part of the story that you're leading towards so continue well so yeah it was a very emotional and mystical show (laughs) and really touched at deep levels and i literally was sitting next to laurie and was seated there and i didn't know her and i'd been introduced to her but i didn't know her and i could feel i could sense just from her body language and from her energy that she was starting to weep and i was compelled to go ahead so I'm now, I know I have at least one friend watching who's laughing right now at the deep part because she knows, she texted me right before, so I know she's watching. She knows I cry at everything when it's, you know, I love emotion. I love to laugh. I love to cry. And so I found that theremin so, I don't know where that went in me. And Sarah, I was Really, if I were home alone, it would have been the ugly, ugly <laughs> cry, really loud. So you, who we had been introduced to each other professionally, but we had never hung out, she puts her hand on my shoulder. That's all you did. You put your hand on my shoulder. It was so remarkable, and we were instant friends. Instant buds right from the start, and we will... And fortunately, I've had the great joy and pleasure of of working with you, and we'll get into that later. But I want to dive in first, uh, you know, jump back into this childhood, this this girl from the Bronx, from the Bronx, New Yorker, through and through. And you started to play the piano at five years old. So we're, is that the exact same one? That's the piano. Unbelievable. That's 
I'm kind of jelly. I'm kind of jelly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so why the piano? And did you have a musical family that supported? You know, because I started with uh, you have violin, but you know, we all choose our thing. Why why that? My mom played the piano. She was really a wonderful pianist, and she taught piano when she was in her I don't know twenties or something like that. And so she would sit at the piano. She would, I say my mom was my first musical director she would sing piano and play and i would sing and we would do just you know show tunes and and christmas I did that with my mommy too we'll do yeah i it it was really special to me and i was forced to take the piano i hated it oh okay yeah you were tied down to the piano yeah i was a math and science baby there was nothing musical about me back then that happened way later. Oh, I rest assured it was in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and of course there. it was in there. Yeah. So you started to take piano lessons with this glorious teacher. Mm-hmm. And so tell that story and and what happened with that. She, she I don't know how you know all this stuff. She, I've done my research, girl. Have mm-hmm. she? I don't remember her name, but I remembered she smelled like pretty powder. I loved this woman, and when I was eight years old, she was hit by a car and was killed. And whatever piece of music we were working on, I have it somewhere, and I wrote lyrics to it, and I called it "The End of the Lady," and it doesn't scan right. It's like once there was. A lady I loved. Aww. Something, something. Then came a car. The car knocked her down. I mean, I was eight years old, but I couldn't take piano after that. It was I did not want another teacher. I wanted her. Wow. Yeah. So, so then what happened? I mean, did you, if you didn't play, continue to play the piano? You know, as a young artist, did 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 you shut down? Did you look somewhere else? What 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 were you going through then? I think the thing is that I was really really good in math and science, and although back in the day and in my family, um, girls didn't go into that. So mm-hmm. I went to college and I majored in at first teaching. That's what a girl would do. And then social work. So I graduated with a degree in social work. I had nothing to do. I didn't do theater in high school, nothing. And in a really short span of time, I was working. I graduated. I started working in an outpatient healthcare center. I Social work was not right for me. Some other time when we have time, we'll go into that. I went into healthcare administration where I was working and then a woman I was playing squash with, I was lamenting how little I was making because at that point I was in administration and I wasn't making much money. And she worked in banking and she said, well, you know, being a good manager is all you need to be. So they're looking for people at the bank. So I signed up to go interview. I got the job and this is, I'm 25, like at this point or 23, I think. And then the weekend before I was going to the bank and I'm also going for an MBA in finance at this point. Oh my Lord. You need an MBA. So I went to the, the weekend before the bank, we had had a family gathering with old friends from the Bronx 
And I was telling her how I secretly love to sing. And she said, well, you know, they're doing this. This was the Actors Institute. And they're doing this Gotta Sing workshop for people that like to sing that never sang in public. You should take it. So the workshop was a two-day workshop. I took it the weekend before I was starting at the bank. And it. this is what happened. I stood up to sing and everything in the room went black. Wow. I don't know how to describe what it was like for me. I went somewhere I had never been before, emotionally, whatever, and I found my God. And mm. teacher came up to me and said, are you sure you know what you're doing with your life? And I said, oh. no. and I started at the bank the next day. But I remember on the subway on the way home from the workshop, I thought I'm looking up at the signs on the subway thinking, I'm going to be a singer. And I'm going for my MBA in finance. I'm starting a job at one Wall Street. And so for three years, I think, I then so I went into therapy and I started taking lessons, voice lessons, and, and I was interested in musical theater back then. And then when I felt ready, I quit my job. I, I Halfway through my MBA, I stopped. I quit my job and I went and did summer stock. And I've never looked back. I never felt like that was not the right choice. I've never not finished something, especially something that had to do with education. So I'm really proud of that. And, wow. And then at, when I felt ready, I quit the bank. My understanding is that they thought I was crazy and they held my job open for me for a year. <laughs> well, they loved you, of course. What I find so fascinating about this is that you, by the age of 25, really showed this multi-hyphenate that lives in you, this sense of creativity and artistry, this sense of service, that even though it wasn't, you know, social work wasn't your thing, you have a very powerful, and I know you, and I know this side of you, this sense of, of service to humanity, and this business essence about you as well. And, you know, th those are powerful edges and, and a really powerful moment to have the courage to step through something that you've just been doing and to jump off that edge and say, okay, next, next. The key to the, I was an officer in the bank at that point. It was a really quick trajectory, but so I think about that and I'm mm. really, really proud of that moment. You know, I'm sure I think back and I think, God, she was crazy. <laughs> no, she was brave. Yeah. And she knew what she was doing. On that note, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into collaborations. I like collaborations. Yes. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. I'm Sandra Bargeman, and my guest tonight is Lori, the Queen Bee, Krauss. Do <laughs> that song. <laughs> well, as as you may remember in my show, I uh, I called myself the Queen Bee. I very sassily called myself the Queen Bee. And uh, have you seen my, the logo to the show? The logo for this for yeah. Oh. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, with this wonderful, it says live in the hive, and it has this great bee, uh, cute little cartoon with these John Lennon glasses and this crown that has little bees on the top. And it's my smile with my gap tooth. Yes. And that was created by Tom Kammer, T-H-O-M-C-A-M-M-E-R.com. If you're interested in finding a great uh, graphic artist, there's a plug for him. But anyway, you know, uh, I, I talk about the reason I bring up the Queen Bee and I call you the Queen Bee is because it references my show. And you know, the, the, this podcast is based on it. And of course, I mean Queen Bee for you and Queen Bee for myself, very sassily as diva. But there is an undercurrent, a deeper reason why I brought that into the show. And it really reflects my spiritual embrace of earth-based traditions, where it's believed that all animals have medicine, a.k.a. wisdom, to impart, and in this case, a hive of bees. And the wisdom of bees is collaboration, cooperation, community, and communication. And those were all interwoven in my show. And of course, I want them to be interwoven into this podcast. And that's why I bring it up. So, Ms. Krause. Ma'am. Is this the part where we get the 60 minutes expose on me? Because then I'm going to walk. <laughs> no, this is where we turn on the oh. disco ball 
This is where we turn on the disco ball and I celebrate you. And I call you the queen bee of the highest order, my dear. You are a master communicator in your artistry and in your coaching. And you are a gracious and generous collaborator. So cheers. Thank you so much. Yes, I, Lori and I have shared martinis. Those aren't real martinis, but we have shared martinis in the past. Uh-huh, yeah, and we shall again. <laughs> and we shall again. So, collaboration. We're going to talk about your collaboration with Daryl Kojak. How long have the two of you been working together? And how did you discover one another? And then I want you to jump into your most recent show in Holly, Pennsylvania. Oh, great. Okay, so... Um, I know exactly how long Daryl Kojak and Laurie Krauss have been working together because <laughs> Daryl Kojak and Kate Kojak have been married 30 years. And Laurie and Daryl started working together six months before they got married. And Kate loves to tell the story. They were away somewhere. They were in a hotel room. Daryl gets a phone call and it's me. And that was the first contact we had. So she remembers it well. And so as long as they know how long they're married, I know how long we've been working together. So it's, um, it's about 30 years and six months now. They're 32 <laughs> last month. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and, my God. Well, how did you find each other? Well, I had been doing a lot of musical theater. Oh so yes. Yes. Doing a lot of theater and it became clear to me early on, or not early on, but after six years or something, that they weren't really writing. They weren't writing Aldonza. You know, I did a lot of Aldonza. I did a lot of Julian Showboat. They weren't writing that. And I didn't see a path for me for to go to Broadway in terms of the art. And so I came home to just study, randomly got into this four-part harmony group, randomly discovered my love of jazz, started studying that. and then, Randomly. Yeah, I know. And then started looking for a new musical director and somebody recommended Daryl. And I, he was on a list of people I was going to go see. And this is the way things happen to me. And I'm really a chop wood, carry water kind of gal, but stuff happens. And so I go to his studio, he plays, I sing, and I feel like I'm being levitated off the ground. And I knew that this was the collaborator for me. And so we've been working together for 30 years. And it's just, it is just creatively I, it, impossible to describe. Mm. It never gets old. It's always new. And um, we feel music in a very similar way. And, and that's just heaven. Uh, I, 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 lo- I love this. You know, it, I liken it to a, a marriage, like yeah. this is your musical marriage. And, you know, when I talk with with my clients that get married and I tell them I've been married so long, I say it's a, it's a spiritual journey mm-hmm. to allow a relationship to polish you. And that's very apropos, I would think, in a, a, colla- a musical collaborative relationship in much the same way. Whereas you're jumping with different people, you 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 polish other things hopefully but a long-term collaboration with some this kind of depth i can only imagine the the deepest places that you go to it's it's incredible i mean there's times in rehearsal you know when we came up with that the tapestry project 
which we will be recording. It's just mm. taking a long, long time. Um, when we came up with that, and that was another time I was at the gym on the lat pull down machine listening to <laughs> uh, you. I forget which song. Maybe it might probably you've got a friend and. All of a sudden, the phrase tapestry rewoven came to me. And I went to Daryl and I'm like, this phrase came to me. And we never did. We never approached music like that before. Mm. And so that's how that started. But the, the thing about him and me in our collaboration is that we feel music the same way. And also he is a pianist, a brilliant jazz pianist who plays the lyric of a song. The lyric is always very important to him. We've had countless conversations over the years where he would say, I just don't see you saying that. Or, or you know, and, and it just, I love that about work. Mm, that, that knowing each other. So, uh, of course, for the sake of time, I'm going to just jump forward to this most recent glorious concert that you did in the beautiful Harmony in the Woods. I checked out that space. I'm so sorry I couldn't make it. And this spectacular space in the woods, beautifully uh, architectural for the woods and for the sound. It Tell was, us about that. was just, you know, I haven't sung live in front of human beings uh, since just before the pandemic. Right. And so this came up and the person who booked me used to be a techie at Danny's. And she called me and said, we're opening this place. And Jenny Hack, I know you might be listening. I hope you are because man, do I owe you. <laughs> I hope that things I say here bring audience to you guys next season. So, so I said, well, let me check my live performance schedule and see if I can do an outdoor con. I was so thrilled. So we go there. It, it's in Hawley, Pennsylvania. It just, they literally carved it out of the dirt. It was tiered. It my my brother and my niece came with her three children. And it just, it was, I got, I, you know, I hadn't sung into a microphone. Well, I recorded one thing, but not live. Um, in a year and a half. So I'm thinking, am I even going to know how to do this? Sound check starts and I'm looking at country. I mean, the backdrop of this thing is my happy place. And so I started singing the first song and I I lost. And what did you do? I cried. And so then I said, I may cry through the whole concert. And Ginny said, that's okay. Which she was just being nice. She is nice. And it was the sound guy, Chris, you, when you do live performance and you get someone like him, it was the best. So everyone. So it was the, the OG, Sean Conley on bass, Gene Lewin on drums, Daryl, you know, this, this, these are my go-tos that been working with them forever. And all of us were like, this is the most pleasant experience we've ever had. No attitude from the sound guy. And the sound was beyond perfect. It was, I was, I never say, I always hate my work. So I will say that I, I was on fire that night. I had the best time. It reminded me 
that, yeah, I do still want to do this, even though I don't get to do it a lot, even though it costs me more than I make, I need to create in that way. Yes, indeed. And we need to hear you. We absolutely need to hear you. Well, I want to touch on our collaboration in the Blue Wave. We have two minutes to break, so I'm going to quickly give a little intro to that, and then we're then we'll dive into that. So, the Blue Wave was a series seven months prior to 2018 midterm elections. Cabaret show producer, publicist, performer Stephen Hanks launched a variety show series as fundraisers for Democratic Senate, Congress, and state legislature candidates. The Cabaret Campaigns Ride the Blue Wave 2018 at Don't Tell Mama featured 28 different performers, raised more than $6,000 divided among 30 candidates. Election Day was uh, 2018 was indeed a blue wave as the Democrats flipped 40 seats in Congress. If not for that vote, Trump could not have been impeached. Yes. So we will take our break and pick it up about democracy when we get back. <laughs> the edge of democracy. The edge of Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Yes, on the edge of every day and on the edge of democracy, I'm Sandra Bargeman, and we are back with our guest, Lori Krauss, and we're talking uh, about collaboration and cooperation and community and communication, all of those things that we need to hold on to the shred of democracy that we still have. Uh so we just talked about um, Ride the Blue Wave, um, and Lori and I were one of those uh, chosen to be performers because of our political activism. We were chosen to be a part of that, and um, and we got to sing the opening number, which was very, very, very optimistic, which I loved. And so dive in. Don't so we sang the duet that Barbara and Judy <laughs> think they made famous, but we just, it was, uh, it up. <laughs> yeah, we, it was, well, this was after we took the Senate back, right? This was right after the midterms. Was that, yes. it? so we had something to be, so we had to. something to cling to. Right. So Stephen had asked if we would start the show with, forget your troubles and get happy. And so you came to my abode where indeed we, we rehearsed within said room right yes. there. And we just made music. And it was glorious it, because it really, uh, and, and continues to be an edgy time. So it was nice to be, to feel as though that we had made a difference. That, yeah. that indeed, in our small way, uh, energetically and monetarily, that we had made made um, uh, some great strides. And so those shows went on for a while. And, and their last show was the one that was right before um, at the Secret Cabaret was right before COVID. Yeah, yeah. And there was going to be another one. There was. There was one in March I was going to be doing, and then a couple days before, Stephen and I were talking, what do you think we should do, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, I don't think anyone's going to show up. We probably should just not do it, and that was that. Yeah, those were such moving shows, just people weeping, every, you know, and yanking people out of heavy-duty ballads because, of course, everyone wanted to do a great dramatic reflecting their internal edges, right. but... Uh, it was great fun and gr a great success. Um, but I'm going to jump forward to your recordings before I dive into Tapestry Rewoven. Told you. Three, three, say that three times. Tapestry Rewoven. Yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to touch quickly on your first album uh, because I had not heard it. And I, in researching, I listened to it and was really blown away. Again, the name of it is Catch Me If You Can, and it dropped in 2001. Um, it was recorded with the Daryl Kojak Trio and featured the legendary George Coleman on sax. And this is what Michael LaProri said from Jazz Review. Jazz aficionados should welcome this impressive debut album from a singer who will certainly be making her mark on the jazz scene for years to come. Amen. And I'll have you know that just before our interview tonight, Ms. Krause, I lit my ritual candle as I do whenever I do anything. And I played your sublime and mystical recording of some enchanted evening and offered it as a prayer to the universe 
for our meeting. So I encourage all of you to go listen and purchase that album and have a mystical experience with some enchanted evening. Uh, I have to say that's Daryl's arrangement. And, you know, and here's, and I'm quoting Gene Lewin at the Pennsylvania gig because we did that song there. And Gene said, you know, that song's the only reason I accept gigs with you. (laughs) I mean, excellent. It is, that is an arrangement where when I start to sing it, I am surprised every time where it takes I, First time I heard it, I've listened to it a few times. Yeah. First, and I, I had started early in the morning my research on you, and I listened to it early in the morning. It, <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. It was like, I mean, I'm getting chicken skin, as they call it, goosebumps, just thinking about that moment. It brought tears to my eyes. It was spectacular. Thank you. Yeah, you are most welcome. So, tapestry we re- rewoven. So let's dive in. So what's that story? Okay, so I told you the lat pull down thing. So Daryl and I decided we would. We loved the title, but we had no idea what. And so we decided that if we could come up with something we felt really great about in terms of the arrangement and the execution for every single song, we would do that as a show in its entirety. And if there was one song we couldn't figure out, we wouldn't do it. And so we performed that. We went around the country performing it. We got it. it, it and you really, really well received received. an award. It received an award. And, um, and then I got the New York foundation for the arts to umbrella. So it's a fiscally sponsored project. So people can go to my website and contribute tax deductible dollars to be part of this project. So it's taking, you know, it's sort of like a documentary. They always say it takes years to make the, it's taking an eternity to get it done for a bunch of logistical reasons that I'm not going to get into, but it will happen as God is my witness. I will die. You know, I will, we will, we have the studio ready and we were just about to start recording and then something called COVID-19 happened. Wow. Fascinating. That was on the heels of some other logistical things where some of the band members weren't available. And this particular project, we need certain people to be a part of it. It's you're committed to that. I love that. I love that emotionally. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's all that it's a tapestry and you need those, those, ten, those tendrils, those emotional tendrils. I love that. Arrangements are crazy, but so, so they revisit the songs you think, you know, in a way that makes so much sense, but a different sense in a lot of cases. It's really something. Mm. When you were exploring this music, you know, one of the things I, I, I so love about you is that your interpretations are, you blur the edges, musical edges, and you weave together jazz, what, 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 what straight people think of jazz, you weave in elements of, of R&B and the blues and gospel and the, and, and a, touch of theater with, with, yeah, yeah. and 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 it just is this glorious hybrid this 
pushing the boundaries of what is what we call jazz, which, of course, just again, I'm getting full body chills. This is the kind of stuff I love and what I did in in the edge of every day, pushing the boundaries that way and blurring the edges between styles. Um, So how did how did you approach going into that music that that feels poppy and how what was you know the emotional connection once you got into doing it talk a little bit about that the emotional connection started when i was in college and um my roommate and i our song to this day is you've got a friend version not james taylor who i worship but um (laughs) But when she'll be driving, our lives are very different. She'll be driving somewhere and I'll get a message on my voicemail. Hey, Rumi, it's Barb. They're playing our song. And, she, you know, so in college, tapestry was really important to me. And so, you know, Daryl and I, we just approached it from the way we approach things. We don't hmm. know what it's going to be. We just play around. Just and dive in. There's, a, it, it's, there's an R&B influence. And, you know, there's a... I, I call myself a jazz singer. I'm a jazz influence singer. And you know, you looked at my website. I'm a cross between Sarah Vaughn, Bette Midler, and Nina Simone. And that's sort of what this recording is. It's there's a blues in it. There's it's it's edgy. And there's new agey stuff to it. It's uh it's what we do. I love it. It reflects all of your essences. And all of it, all of it is generated by the lyrics. So it's not just making funky new music. It's uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. No, that is so the truth. It's it's just well, and this this speaks of your 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 acting chops and your connection to the theater. That which is not to say that you know you have to be in theater to have that kind of connection, but the storytelling is as is as important to you as the the musicality of it it's it's it it's more important if i you know if i years ago when i was doing musical theater and i was came home and i was studying i kept saying i don't know what i want to say with music and when i say i don't know what i want to say with music i don't mean I mean say I mean, if I'm not communicating something when I open my mouth to sing, I don't care what the arrangement is. I need to, the arrangement needs to allow me to visit and or revisit a song we might all know and breathe life into it that no one ever anticipated when it was first written. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, Some Enchanted Evening is the perfect example of that. It's a completely different story in that. Completely. Completely. Well, that speaks so profoundly to the work that you do. The work that I consider that I do is is at the center of these circles, these edge these communities that we edge walk in the in the center is know thyself, which I talked about in the last uh, podcast. But that that's the same as saying finding my voice and sharing my voice, which is AKA my truth. And how do I communicate that, which you've just so gloriously shared. So this is a great 
seg into how you communicate and teach others to do so with your uh, presentation coaching. Talk to me a little bit about, to us a little bit about that. How How did you get into that? Because um, making money doing the kinds of music that I like is not an easy thing to do. So you have to do something else to make your money. And so most people who do what I do teach other singers. But I thought with a background in business and all my training and all that, I'm going to teach corporate types to give speeches. And so <laughs> that I hung up a shingle. And, um, and years ago, I was also doing image consulting. That's a whole other story. Got it. Okay. I'm, forgive me. I'm going to have to interrupt you. I thought we had a little more time, okay. but uh, we're, we're going to pick it up at hanging a shingle. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and pick it up there at hanging a shingle. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern, on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Chipping around, kick my brain to the ground. These are the days it never On the edge of hanging a shingle. Um, Yeah, so this let's, I'm Sandra Bargeman and I'm welcoming Lori Krauss back. And we are talking about her presentation coaching and how she got into that. And so let's revisit where you started the story and hanging a shingle, please. So, yes. So I decided that this was something I thought I could do in part because an image client asked me to help her with something. And I said, why would you ask me? And she said, I've seen you perform. And in between the songs, when you talk, I thought they're so well-crafted and you do a really good job. So you could help me. And I said, well, I can't, but let's do it. And it was like dominoes when I worked with her, literally everything I had ever studied in my life had something 
that could be helpful. Of relevance, yes. Before I continue, one thing. The place in Pennsylvania, I thought about this on the break. Uh, Harmony in the Garden, I think it was called. Harmony in the Woods. Harmony in the Woods. Harmony in the Woods. So check it out because, man, next season, everyone go. So anyway, so I hung up a shingle and one thing led to another. People were referring people and I've worked with people you've never heard of. And I've worked with people who've run for U.S. Congress and, you know, people giving commencement addresses, Sony BMG and lots of different law firms and stuff like that. So it's beautiful. Really love it. I, I and you're very good. I rest assured. I've I've seen you on stage, and I was taken aback at how eloquently you told your story, even in in our 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 performances with the ride the the blue wave, and how you closed. You I remember you closed a show, and you gave a beautiful intro into your song that was just so spot on and and really encapsulated the performance and encapsulated just told the story very clearly and communicated it beautifully so i can imagine how how profoundly you help others to do the same thing i work a lot with people in the nonprofit sector also there's an organization that hires me quite a bit and that i can't tell you how much joy that brings me because yeah. People that are out there making. I love it too. I get it. You know, and yeah. So helping people to just find their voice and to give themselves confidence. And sometimes it's just tiny little tweaks that you can remind people of that just give them the confidence to settle into their their truth it's and to share it. In in a lot of cases, and I did not intend to be somebody who helped people write speeches. But I figured out really early on that the problem for almost everybody was that the stuff put in their mouth to say, you know, is what every actor knows. If it's a bad script, I can't be a good actor. So with (laughs) almost every client, we have to work on their content. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to move on. All right. right, Yeah, I think we love we love presentation coaching, but I'm I'm. Really excited to talk about this because so I had a quick chat with Ms. Krause prior to this conversation and I, I and I said, um, uh, let me know. These are the things I want to touch on. And, and but you let me know what what's important to you, if in case I haven't thought of something. And I said, you don't have to answer me now. Muse on this and, and get back to me. So she comes back with basically the most of the things that we had talked about. And then she she heard the last thing on her list, which I'll get to, is, uh, but before I want to talk about edge walking in these communities, uh, uh, these different communities. And edge walking is also about edge walking belief systems and cultural norms. And at the center, if you think of these cultural norms and these belief systems as a Venn diagram, as a circle, in the center, it's generally a status quo or the way things are done. And the people who are willing to step out on the edges are the ones who are have the courage to push the boundaries and to create a new dialogue and a new understanding for everyone else. So the thing that Lori put on her list that blew me away, and I was so excited that she 
added it was the choice of not having a child as a woman, the choice of and not being childless, because I think in, in our world now, people are understanding childless as being you wanted a child, but somehow were unable to have one. Uh, in, in today's world, they're talking about it as being child free. And because it is a, 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 a choice, a definite choice to not have a child. So I'm intrigued as to, you know, and I'm in the same position. Uh, I'm intrigued and uh, by your desire to have that in this conversation. And I would love to hear your story on this. What you've, what edges you've bumped up into, you've edged into. I think it was because of you and my trust in you. I don't even know why I thought about that. But, um, and I never really talk about that because... Mm. It's not an issue for me. You know, I joke that my brother, who might be watching, so high sign if you are, bro. My brother had four kids. So he did the children having statistically for the two of us. There's just the two of us. And uh, in what would have been the years where I would have, and if you knew the two of us when we were growing up, I was the one that was going to have 80 million children. And he was going to go, I don't know, whatever, be a... Lothario all over the world or something like that. And so we ended up the opposite. And then once I got into, you know, basically in my childbearing years, I was running around the country doing theater from show to show to show to show to show. And I think that people who perform and have children, and I have friends that perform and have children, and I think they're doing an unbelievable job because it's so difficult. I made the decision. I, I believe having children is a sacred trust. Children don't raise themselves. It, 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 whether you have help or not, parenting is something people need to take more seriously. And I felt that I couldn't be there to parent mm. at the, during those years. And so it was... I just didn't have a real drive to have my own children. I love children. I love being around them. I would, after we talked, I was thinking about when I lived in the building with the mother of my godchildren, both of them were made my godchildren. I used to, she used to have these mommy baby groups and I would go to the mommy baby group and basically be like a steady ender in jump rope. I would just keep <laughs> holding all the babies and love I love children in a macro way. Mm-hmm. I love to be around them. And then I like to not, to not be around them. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that people need to really think about what it is to raise a child. Totally. So, and I'm not saying that you can't be a performer and you can't be busy and raise a child that just the logistics of that didn't work out for me when it would have been the time to do it. And I was fine about that, especially Um, since my brother had four kids and now I have nine great nieces and nephews, some of whom might be watching this right now. Mom and dad were off your back. Somebody had a kid. Um, Well, I can totally relate. You know, I was not having the baby, baby store, baby wanting to push babies around. And, you know, my husband and I decided 
late in the game. I said, listen, I've got 10 more minutes to pop one out. Are we good? I think I'm good. Are you good? And, but you know, it's, it's a big conversation and uh, certainly in today's world with where we are in our climate understanding and in our, our healthcare system and women really have to navigate this in a new way. Um, but I just got the, so we've planted seeds for everyone to think about this, the edge of, of being child free. I've just gotten the uh, two minute notice. So I want to, to, I know like, boom, we need two shows woman. Um, so I want to, to um, go to Lori Krause, L A U R I E. K-R-A-U-Z dot com. You can hear all this. You can keep up with her about the recording of Tapestry Rewoven. For those, just to let everyone know, uh, next week we will be in the 7 p.m. time slot. From there on in, Monday night, 7 p.m. is when you can catch us on the edge of every day. If you want to read more about me, SandraBargeman.com. And you can, if you're interested in the CD of The Edge of Every Day, you can catch that on Amazon.com. And Miss Krause, thank you so much for being on my show. I just think the world of you and your talent and your wisdom and your compassion for the world. And it's been great to spend time with you. Thank you so much. And all of that right back at you. I'm so grateful to you. This was really a lot of fun and I knew it would be. I did too. So thanks again. And thank you all for listening in and we'll see you next Monday at 7 p.m. Have a good night. are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. 
trainings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 